Well, good morning. Welcome. So glad you're here. It's an honor to have you in the house today. Uh, if you got your Bibles, I want to invite you to open them to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll jump in there in just a moment. Uh, we're in the last week of our uh, series that we've been calling Real Deal. And over the past few weeks, we've been talking about how one of the marks of being an authentic follower of Jesus, just being the real deal, is that real authentic followers invite others to join them in the following. That's one of the things that followers do is they just invite other people to join them in the following. And I shared uh, in week one that I have a real sense of urgency uh, when it comes to this as of late. I believe that uh, God is on the verge of doing, we just sang this song about an awakening, and I believe that this is taking place all across our nation, and I hear others talk of it as well, and I believe that God is moving, but there's a real sense of urgency, and, and one of the things, I don't think that we can discount uh, everything that we see taking place around the world today especially the events that are taking place uh, in the Middle East, we, we need to remember that we need to operate with a sense of urgency, that time is growing short. Now, I talked last week that Jesus says that it's not appointed for you to know the hour or the day. But one thing that we do know is that we're closer today than we were yesterday. And so there needs to be a sense of urgency, and we have to remember that uh, time on earth is short. The older I get, the more I begin to understand how time on earth is short. And time on earth is short, but the good news is eternity lasts forever. And so uh, our primary role as authentic followers of Jesus, as the people of God, is to do everything that we can to overpopulate heaven. I mean, that's our goal. Is we just want to make heaven crowded. And so uh, let's, let's not forget that that's our number one job. And so my hope is this morning that as we wrap this series up, that we don't just close the books on it and be like, okay, yeah, that was, a, that was good, you know, and maybe remember a few of the jokes. Remember the hillbilly joke in the outhouse. If you didn't hear that, you can go back and watch last week. But, you, you know, I, my goal is that this series challenges us and inspires us and changes us to the point that we get excited about praying about and looking for opportunities just to share the goodness of God with the people that we come in contact with on a day-to-day -day, uh, basis, just sharing with people through our stories. And, and we, we, we need to understand that we have been given by God the spiritual responsibility to be ambassadors for Christ. This is what uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says that you are Christ's ambassadors, and through you, God makes his appeal to the rest of the world, to those who don't know him. And, and, and if you don't know, an ambassador is, is somebody who represents or speaks on behalf of a person in authority. And man, I can't think of any higher honor that, than what you and I have been given, that we have actually been given the responsibility of speaking on behalf of Jesus. That's a way bigger responsibility than some of you are looking right now. 
No, it's a big responsibility that we've been given. This is our purpose. And so my prayer is that we'll really grab a hold of that and understand it, that, that each of us, every single one of you who have submitted your lives to Jesus, who have invited him to be the Lord and Savior of your life, that you have a purpose, and this is it, to share the good news of Jesus' love and his forgiveness and his healing and his restoration. And so as we've talked about, uh, the, the, the best way to do that is, you know, not to be the, 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 the bullhorn guy. You know, the, the guy out on the street with the bullhorn telling everybody they're going to hell. That's not the best way to do that. The best way is simply to tell the truth. To tell the truth of how you've experienced God's healing and restoration and forgiveness and his goodness and the ways that he's worked in your own life. Just tell your stories. And I'm telling you, your story, whether you think it is or not, your story is important, and it's worth telling. In fact, um, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. I've talked about it for quite a while, but uh, we sat down as a staff and began to plan our plan. One of the plans we have for this next year is we want to begin capturing and recording some of your stories, because I think your stories are worth telling. And then we're going to feature those stories uh, because I believe that if we'll just tell what God has done in our lives, we'll just tell our story, then God will use that to bring hope and healing to somebody else who needs to hear it. And so that's one of the things that we're going to do. But, but here's the deal. If God has saved you, if God has saved you, then you have the best story to tell. No greater story. If God has saved you, you got the best story to tell. So over uh, the past few weeks, I've just been trying to show you or help you see kind of what that might look like. And, and we've been looking, we've used three analogies so far. We, we talked about how that sharing our story, sharing Jesus, it's kind of like being a fisherman. That, that you know, uh, every fisherman knows that uh, you got to use bait. And any story of God's goodness is really, it's just bait. It's just what it is. It's that and we, as we tell God's story, it's like baiting the hook. In, in order to catch fish, you got to put bait on your hook. And in order to, to win people to Jesus or share Jesus, you've got to tell your story. And then we talked uh, a couple of weeks ago about being an influencer, kind of like salt and light, how salt and light are two elements that they impact and influence every single thing that they come in contact with. There's nothing that comes in contact with salt and light that isn't influenced by it. And so I believe we ought to be the same. Every interaction that we have with people, they ought to walk away being influenced by the fact that we were in their presence because Jesus lives within us. And so every interaction, people ought to walk away being better for having come in contact with us. If the love of Jesus is in us, right? If the kindness of Jesus is in us, if the hope of Jesus is in us, then every single person, every interaction we have, people ought to walk away feeling encouraged, having more hope, feeling loved, because that's what Jesus has put in us, and that's who's in us. And then last week, we talked about uh, authentic witnesses, how a witness is simply somebody who tells the truth about what they have seen and heard. 
And that's what we are. They just tell the truth about what they've experienced. And we don't want to be witnesses who plead the fifth. I mean, we are witnesses. If you've experienced Jesus, you have seen or heard something good. You've experienced something good. The question is, will you be a witness who talks or a witness who pleads the fifth? And so we just tell people the truth about what we've experienced. The, the last one this morning that I've, I've chosen as an analogy is the analogy of a farmer. And, and the reason why is because farmers plant seeds. That's what farmers do. And, and farmers know that the seeds that they plant contain life. They, they, they understand that what I'm planting right now is going to grow and it's going to spring into something that is living. So farmers plant seeds of life. Well, the same is true for people who are the real deal. Authentic followers of Jesus understand that our purpose in life, the role that Jesus has given to us, is we are simply called to plant seeds of life in the hearts and minds of other people. That, that's what you're doing every time you tell your story. Every time you share a story about the goodness of God, what you're doing is you are planting seeds of life that, that, that they may spring up immediately or they may need to be watered and cared for so they can come up later. But you're, you're planting seeds of life. Okay, so I want you to, I want to look at what Paul says about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. He says this. He says, now I say this. Now, when, when Paul says something like this, what he's saying is, what, what I'm getting ready to tell you is really important, so pay attention. He says, pay attention to this. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the one who sows generously will also reap generously. Now, now, just for clarification, the context here, what Paul is talking about specifically in this case, is he, he, it's centered around financial giving. That, that Paul is encouraging these Corinthian believers to invest their finances into the kingdom, and he uses this analogy of sowing and reaping. Okay, so here... Paul is talking about finances. But the reality is this analogy is true in every single area of life. This, this, this idea of sowing and reaping, is, it, 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 it pertains to every area of life. So, for example, if you're, if you're a student, studying is sowing, right? St stud studying is is, is sowing. So the way that it works is don't expect to reap good grades if you don't sow, if you don't study. This is true in, if you're into sports. You know, if you're into sports, sowing is, is what? Practice, right? Nobody likes to practice. Nobody likes lifting weights, you know, if you want to get muscles and be like Aaron Detterman and me. Two of us, we're like twins almost. Aaron has sewed a lot of hours in the gym. Me, not so much, but I'm working on it. But, but if you want to reap, 
you know, being, if you want to reap a, being a, a good volleyball player or football player, or basketball player, whatever, gymnast, whatever, don't expect to reap that unless you're willing to sow. It's just the principle of sowing and reaping. Married couples, don't expect to reap a great marriage if you don't sow into the marriage. It, does, it just doesn't happen by happenstance. You gotta, you gotta sow seeds. You, in a marriage, you, the way you sow seeds is through being kind and humble and, and willing to work through challenges and difficulties and not throwing in the towel every time it gets tough. You, you sow seeds by being selfless and not stubborn and you know, having to have your way all the time. You sow seeds by serving each other. You sow seeds by investing your time and committing yourself to each other. That's, that's the sowing. And, and you're not going to reap a great message unless you sow. It's just true in every single area of life. Now, I, I was thinking about this last week, and if I'm honest, it, I, I've really struggled with this in the area of my own health, just being vulnerable with you. Uh, as I've grown older, in many ways, I, I, I quit sowing the seeds of being healthy. And, and to, be, to be truthful, completely vulnerable, I started sowing some seeds of unhealth. Th th that's another principle, actually, of sowing and reaping is that you reap what you sow. And, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But I began to reap physically what I had sown. And so instead of sowing seeds of healthy food, I had begun to eat a bunch of junk. And, and so I reaped the gaining of a bunch of weight. I reaped not feeling good. I reaped developing some health issues. And so I, I decided, man, I, I got to get a handle on this. And I got to start sowing some different seeds. See, even though I'm a pastor, I still forget this sometimes. It's easy to forget, but I started sowing different seeds, and so over the past few months, I began to reap the benefits of sowing different seeds. I've lost about 35 pounds. Yeah, got a little ways to go. Got to wear a shirt the other day I hadn't worn in months and got the benefit of people going, did you get a new shirt? And I was like, no, I'm just too fat to wear it, so, you know. So there's all kinds of benefits from it. But, but I, you know, I begin to reap feeling better than I have in a long time. Why? Because I sowed different seeds, began to reap a different harvest. And so this idea of sowing and reaping, it's true in so many areas of life, including leading people to Jesus. See, I truly believe that every single follower of Jesus wants to lead other people to Jesus. I mean, who wouldn't love that? To know that you actually played a role in somebody's eternal destiny. We talked about that last week. Man, it's fun. There ain't nothing better than that. So, so who wouldn't want to do that? Okay, but, but leading people to Jesus, that's the reaping part. And it doesn't happen without the sowing part. And so hear me on this. This is the point. If you're not sowing, or if you're sowing sparingly, or if you're sowing the wrong seed, in other words, if you're not allowing the fruit of the Spirit to be evident in your life and flow through your life and your interactions with other people, then guess what? You're going to reap what you sow. 
If you reap generously, Paul says, or you sow generously, you'll reap generously. If you reap or sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you don't sow at all, now I don't know about you, I want to reap generously. I mean, I want to be all in. Anybody here on that? Yeah. Okay, good. Samantha said, quit asking that. You can't hear when we say anything anyway. So I just want to make sure everybody's here. I'm good. I'm glad that, that some of you want to do that. And so let, real quick, let me, I just want to share with you three simple principles about sowing and reaping that hopefully will better equip us to do that. Again, just kind of move us down the road in doing that. All right, and, and I'll just tell you up front, all of these are going to be really simple, really easy to understand and remember. In fact, uh, in, there's like three points or three principles, and there's only one word difference in each one, so we ought to be able to remember this. And uh, the first one, I already kind of mentioned it, and that is that you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Now, now, we're Nebraskans, so we understand this, because we got lots of farmers in Nebraska, and so we understand that if you sow corn, then you're going to reap corn. Yeah, good. You have me nervous there for a minute. Yeah, if you sow corn, you're going to reap corn. And so imagine this. Imagine that you had a farmer friend, and uh, one morning, you know, you, you, you meet down at the local coffee shop, which is, a, you know, that's what farmers do. You go to the coffee shop, and you go hang out, and so you're sitting there, you're having coffee, and you're just making small talk, and, and you ask the farmer, you say, so, you know, what, what, what crop are you growing this year? And, and he says, uh, a corn. And so, again, you're just making small talk, and so you're like, so, okay, so you planted some corn, huh? And he looks up, and he said, no, I planted wheat, but I'm expecting corn. You guys would look at him like, dude's crazy, he's lost it, you know? Because everybody knows if you plant wheat, you're going to get wheat. You don't plant wheat and expect to get corn. Because why? Because you always reap what you sow. It's really that simple. It's that simple spiritually, too. If you plant the gospel, you're going to reap souls. Because you reap what you sow. It's so simple, and yet sometimes we miss it. Again, I believe that every single follower of Jesus wants to win people to Jesus, but you can't reap what you haven't sowed. It's that simple. Now, do you always win them? No. You don't always. Sometimes you're just the one that God directed to plant. And then he'll use somebody else to come and water. And then it'll bring somebody else along to come and harvest. But you, you got to plant. So I was thinking about that, and I, I have a friend who I graduated with high, or from high school with. And actually, some of our teenagers know him. His name is Scott. And they know him because now he's the director of the summer camp that we send our teens to. And uh, Scott and I, we graduated from high school, and uh, years ago, Laura and I, we were still living in Kansas, and just out of the blue, I got a phone call from Scott. Now, the last time we had seen each other was at graduation, so we hadn't seen each other for a long time, and uh, the last time I saw Scott, he was not a Christian. 
And, and Scott was, he was an incredible drummer. He was into music. He played in a band. And even clear back in high school, he was in high school and he was in a band. They were playing in bars already. And, uh, you know, like life does, we just kind of drifted apart. I went one way, he went another way. And I moved away to Kansas and he remained in Kearney. And, and we hadn't seen each other for a long time. And so when he called me, we, we just spent some time catching up. And Scott shared with me how a few years after high school, through a series of events, he had actually become a follower of Jesus. And uh, he had surrendered his life to Christ. And then after he surrendered his life to Christ, God had called him into the ministry. And so for a number of years, he served as a children's pastor at the Assembly of God Church in Kearney. And then God moved him from there, and he became the director of Royal Family Kids Camp. Some of you guys are, yeah, we got a couple, yeah. We can clap for that. Some of you are like, yeah, let's clap for it. And others are like, I don't know what we're clapping for, but we'll clap for it anyway. Um, but Royal Family Kids Camp is a camp that works with the foster care system to provide a faith-based camp experience for foster kids. And Scott, so Scott directed that for, now we'll clap, yeah, we can do that now. Hey, by the way, feel free to clap anytime you want. Feel free to laugh when I tell a joke. In fact, please do. Whether you get it or not, just if everybody else is laughing, just laugh. All right, so Scott, anyway, he did that. And then, which led him to where he's at now, directing this camp. But, but Scott said, hey, he told me about all that. And I was thrilled. I was excited for what God was doing in his life. And he said, but hey, the real reason that I wanted to call you was because this past week, our pastor talked about the, the, the five most influential people who impacted your life, which resulted in you coming to Christ. And the pastor said, I, I want you to think about your top five, and then I want to challenge you to take the next step, and over the next week reach out to them and tell them the impact that they had and then just thank them for it. And he said, so I thought about it and I want you to know that you're one of my top five. Yeah, wow, what an honor. Well, hey, don't, don't clap yet because he went on and he said, you're not number one. <laughs> so you're like number four, may, maybe five. But he said, I, I want you to know that you had an impact on my life. You may not have known it at the time, but he said, God put you in my life during a really difficult season of my life. He said, my parents were going through a divorce. My family was falling apart. He said, I, I had, you know, I was playing in this band and it had started to consume me and I was really headed down this direction. I was pretty much in bars every night as a young teenager and it was beginning to have an influence in my life. And he said, God put you in my life during that time, and it, it, it had an influence or an impact on me, which eventually, through a series of events and other people who God put in my life, eventually led me to Christ, and it has totally changed the trajectory of my life. Now, now listen, was I the one who got to do the actual reaping. No, I, I was, in other words, I was not the one who prayed a prayer of repentance with Scott and led him to the Lord. No, but guess what? I still got to play a part in the reaping. Now, 
I was fortunate enough that he, had he not called me and told me that, I'd have never known. But it doesn't change the fact I was part of the planting and part of the reaping. See, see, my point is this. Sometimes you may do the planting and you may never even know about the reaping. Somebody else may be a part of the reaping, but you got to do the planting. There's no reaping if there's no planting. So, so my point is you may not always see the fruit you may not be the one who actually wins them, but if you don't plant, you got to plant. All right, so you reap what you sow. Number two, very simply, is you reap after you sow. This, this stuff is like groundbreaking stuff here, right? <laughs> you reap after you sow. Okay, so... Let's go back to our imaginary farmer friend in the coffee shop. And, and, and so you're sitting there, you're having coffee and just enjoying your time together. And so you say to him, so, so uh, you know, it's, it's, it's springtime. What are you growing this year? And he says, corn. And so again, you're just having small talks. So you say, so you planted corn? And he said, nah, never really got around to it this year. <laughs> I might, but I just decided I'd wait for it to come up anyway. Never planted, but I'm just waiting for it to come up. Crazy, right? Crazy. Crazy, yet. That's how a lot of Christians operate. They, they expect people to come to Jesus, but they never talk to anybody about Jesus. They, they expect to reap the harvest of people coming to Jesus, but never plant the seeds of sharing the gospel. Of Jesus. Do you know how many Christians, even though they've received it, even though they benefited from it, can't even articulate what the gospel is? Now, I'm talking about Christians in other churches. Of course, not in this church. <laughs> other churches, not here. I haven't had the courage to do it here, but one pastor I know actually gave his con congregation a questionnaire, and on the questionnaire, one of the questions was, uh, to the best of your ability, articulate what is the gospel. And he got all kinds of responses back. You know, one guy said, well, it's, it's love. One, one person said, well, it's, it's a good feeling. One, one guy said, well, it's just kind of hard to put into words. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't say that? Jesus, how do we get to heaven? Well, just kind of hard to put into words. Figure it out. No, Jesus didn't say that. Jesus spoke the gospel very plainly. He said, confess, acknowledge you're a sinner. He, he says, repent, turn away from your sin. Believe in Jesus. Believe that Jesus is who he said he is. Believe that he's the son of God. And he said, once you believe that, then you'll put him in his rightful place because if you really believe that Jesus is the son of God, he's not gonna be some sideshow monkey that we ask to show up whenever we need him, but he's gonna be the king and lord of our lives if we really believe he's the son of God. So believe that he is who he says he is, put him in his rightful place, listen to him, and obey him. That's the gospel. The gospel is very simple. The gospel story is that, that God came to earth as a man. He saw the sinful condition of humanity, and he recognized that human beings can't save themselves themselves. 
And so God came as a man in Jesus, and he lived a life that we could not live. He died a death so that we didn't have to die it. And three days later, he conquered death by raising from the grave. Proving, yeah, he proved that he is the son of God. He proved that he was who he said he was, and he offers forgiveness of sins and eternal life and healing to everybody who will confess, repent, and believe. That's the gospel. And we need to learn that so that we can simply tell that because God's word never returns void. Listen, I'm just gonna be really blunt here. If we're not seeing a harvest, it's because we're not planting seeds. I'm just going to drink my water and let you think about that for a second. (laughs) If we're not seeing a harvest, it's because we're not planting. See, See, you can't reap before you sow. Doesn't work that way. Now, Now, again, sometimes... We get the honor and privilege of reaping after other people have sown. And sometimes we sow and God sends others to reap. But the point is there has to be some sowing first. And this isn't about our own scorecard, right? That I've got my list here, and I've got my numbers, and I can go around. You know, I've got, it's kind of like a letter jacket, you know, or the things, they, the skull and crossbones they put on the helmet. You know, we're not talking about that. Because here's the deal. When, when, when Daniel sows, and, 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 and when Aaron reaps, he's a part of that, since they're both part of the same Body, that's what Paul talks about. Now, I don't mean just this local body, but the body of Christ. Then the body is sowing and the body is reaping. We're all a part of the same thing. There's got to be some sowing, though. I want you to look at John chapter 4, verse 35 and 38. John says this He says, uh, Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. Listen, what Jesus is saying here is, he's saying, come on guys, I want you to understand this. Sometimes you're going to reap some people that you're not the one who sowed into them. But somebody did. Somebody sowed into them. Somebody did the work of, of breaking up the hard ground. Somebody did the work of, of planting. You, you just got to reap. 
What one sows, another reaps. But I love this, he says, but they both are going to receive the reward from the Lord for the work that they have done. Both of those are important. Okay, so you reap what you sow. Then you reap after you sow. And the last one, very, very simple stuff here. You always reap more than you sow. This is a biblical principle. If you sow, I promise you, you will reap more than you sow. And the reason I can promise you this is because this is a biblical principle. It's also a farming principle. Just think about this. No farmer plants one kernel of corn hoping at the end of the year to get one more kernel of corn. It doesn't work that way. That's not the law of sowing and reaping. No. Each kernel produces a stalk with a couple of ears on it, and each of those ears of corn has anywhere between 500 and 1,200 kernels. So think about this. One kernel can produce 2,400 times what was planted. You always reap more then you sow, that's a pretty good return. The same is true, think about this. You plant an apple tree. Anybody here have any apple trees in there? You do? Remember me. I love, I like apples. No, I'm just... <laughs> Trolling from the pulpit. Yeah, so, no shame. So you plant a little apple seed and the hope is you don't get back one more little apple seed, or even an apple. No, you, you plant the seed, and in God's economy, you get back an entire tree that over its lifetime can produce thousands of apples, and in each apple are multiple seeds. You always get more. See, that's the point that I'm trying to, to get you to understand here. You, if, you, if you only got back just one for one in farming, in the physical, if all we got back was one for one, we'd all starve to death. It wouldn't work. And so in God's economy, what he does is, because he created the law of sowing and reaping, is he'll take and say, just plant one, and I'm going to give you a multiple return so that many people can be fed. That's physically. That's how it works in physical farming. Uh, any, anybody here ever heard of the guy uh, by the name of John Chapman? Not the one who lives down on 34th and 8th. No, I'm just kidding. John, I said when I tell a joke, whether it's good or not, just laugh. <laughs> Pastor Brad got it. Anybody heard John Chapman? Doesn't, doesn't surprise me. I didn't expect anybody to. I, I thought maybe one or two might have, but um, you might know him by his nickname. Have anybody heard of the guy named Johnny Appleseed? Yeah, now, okay. Now you know what I'm talking about. Johnny Appleseed. Um, for 50 years, this guy, John Chapman, who became known as Johnny Appleseed, he traveled across the country planting apple seeds, which is 
you know, they got real creative with his name. What should we call him? You know, John Chapman must have been too hard. Let's call him John and the Appleseed because he plants all these seeds. All right, so, so what many people don't know about him, most people know that this is a guy who planted apple trees wherever he went. But what many people don't know about him is that not only was Johnny Appleseed a farmer, he was also a deeply committed Christian. And so everywhere he went, he not only sowed apple seeds, but he also sowed, and more importantly, he sowed the seeds of the gospel. Everywhere he went, he he sowed apple seeds, he sowed the seeds of the gospel. He just shared Jesus wherever he went. As a matter of fact, Historians say that Johnny Appleseed was responsible for more Native Americans accepting Jesus than any other person in history because he just shared his faith. And and they accepted him and they listened to him because he had developed the reputation that he had come to help feed them and their families by planting these apple seeds. And so they, they become to res, became to respect him because they, 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 they also respected him because he had the reputation of knowing the great spirit. And, and there was this love that flowed through him, which he, by the way, he did know the, the real one, the only one, and so, so think about all of the seeds that John Chapman planted and how many apples came as a result of all of the trees that came as a result of all of the seeds that this one person planted. Decades and decades and decades later. Think about that. Wow. In fact, think about it in this way. Some of the seeds from some of the apples that he planted were taken and planted in the ground and new trees were formed and new apples were were fruit that was born for that and those seeds were taken and planted in the ground and new trees grew and new apples were formed. So we're still benefiting today from the seeds that an individual planted in like the 17, late 1700s. That's amazing. Yeah. There's a few of you that are amazed as me on that. That's all right. Some of you it takes a little more. That's all right. So, so he, he, he sowed all these seeds. So how does this translate spiritually? I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Paul writes this, he says, so then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but it is God who creates the growth. Now the one who plants and the one who waters are one, we talked about that, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Now don't, I don't want you guys to miss this. God is the one who provides the growth. We, we can plant the seeds. A farmer does not like will or make the seed grow. He plants it in the ground. God makes it grow. The farmer has to plant it. The, father ha- the farmer has to care for it, tend to it. The farmer has to water it. The farmer has to feed it, but it's God who makes it grow. All right, so don't, don't, don't miss this though. 
part of our reward because we do have a responsibility of doing those things, planting, tending, watering. Part of our reward is tied to that. Our faithfulness. Part of our reward is tied to planting and watering. Now, now, now don't miss this. I, first of all, don't ever let the enemy convince you that you failed if the person that you shared your story or you know, the goodness of God with or the gospel with or you tried to minister to in some way, don't let the enemy convince you you failed if they don't accept Jesus in that moment or if they don't accept Jesus at all. Because according to Scripture, a person's salvation is God's business. It is God who causes them to grow. It's God's business, and they play a part in it because God has given every single person a free will. And so we all have been given the freedom to accept or reject the good news of the gospel. And so your responsibility, God has invited us into partnership He has given us a role to play of planting and watering and reaping. But but, so there's God's part and there's our part. But God's part is the saving. Our part is to be planters and waterers. And then to be there and ready at harvest time. Planting seeds, watering seeds that have already been planted. But, But God's really the only one that can bring a person to Jesus and, and, and then there's that person's will. That person can either accept Jesus or not. And so if you, you try to lead somebody to Jesus and the person doesn't accept Jesus or receive Jesus or get saved, whatever language you want to put on it, don't ever let the devil tell you that you failed. And, and here's the reason why. Because you did what Jesus told you to do. He never told you, go save a bunch of people because he'd never give you a task that you're incapable of doing. He said, go plant some seeds, share the gospel, love people, feed people, care for people, encourage people, provide people with hope, heal people, touch people, Be there for people when they need you. Those are the things that he told you to do. And so if you're doing that, then you're obedient and there's no way you can fail. All right? And I want you to listen that my whole motivation in this message, and I've been been up front with you from the beginning, is I simply want to get us to plant more seeds. I think we need to plant more seeds. And water more seeds. Share our stories of faith more regularly. Share stories about God's goodness. Share stories about how God helped us. How God worked in our lives. And I'm convinced if we'll share our faith, God will be faithful and do the rest. He'll do his part if we do our part. All right? But, 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 but let's be honest about this. Sometimes it doesn't always fit. We may be doing our part. Share our stories. Share the gospel. Sometimes it doesn't always feel like God is going to do his part. Or 
in this principle of sowing and reaping, if, if, you, if you reap more than you sow, it doesn't always feel that way when it comes to sharing Christ, right? Let's just be honest, okay? Because I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, blow smoke or anything like that. We, we got to be honest. Sometimes it, it just doesn't feel that way. And, and what I mean by that is sometimes it feels like I share Christ with more people than actually wind up accepting Christ. And so this principle of exponential return, that you reap more than you sow, really isn't true when it comes to sharing Jesus. Again, I just want to be real about that because sometimes it doesn't feel that way. But it is. It is true. And I want to show you how it's true. I asked earlier if anybody had ever heard of the name John Chapman. How about anybody ever heard of the name of, of Edward uh, Kimball? Any? Nobody. Good. All right. Um, I wouldn't have expected you to under- recognize that name either because the truth is there really was nothing exceptional about Edward Kimball. He, he was just a, a, a carpet salesman who on Sundays, he taught a Sunday school class for teenagers at his local church. And and one day, God laid on Edward Kimball's heart a young man by the name of Dwight. And so Edward began to, to pray for Dwight, and Edward began to sow seeds into Dwight, and he watered those seeds. And, and one day, God inspired Edward to show up at Dwight's place of work. Dwight uh, sold shoes at a shoe store. And so Edward showed up at this place of work, and he shared again Jesus with Dwight. And right there, Dwight wound up He was sowing, okay, Edward was sowing, and right there he got to reap the harvest. Dwight wound up surrendering his life to Jesus. Now, while none of you have heard of Edward Kimball, some of you, probably many of you, are familiar with the name Dwight L. Moody. D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody... This 18-year-old young man who Edward Kimball had sowed seeds into wound up becoming one of the greatest evangelists of the 19th century. In fact, historians tell us that he preached the gospel to over 100 million people all around the world. One of the people who accepted Christ under D.L. Moody's preaching was a guy named uh, Frederick B. Meyer, who also became an evangelist. And one time when Frederick B. Meyer was preaching, a guy by the name of Wilbur Chapman accepted Christ. And Wilbur Chapman became a pastor, and uh, he wound up ministering to a professional baseball player by the name of Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday wound up leaving baseball because he felt a call to ministry on his life. He became this massive evangelist in the late 1800s, and he went all over the world sowing seeds, preaching the gospel, and he went to one crusade in Charlotte, North Carolina, had this amazing crusade. Thousands and thousands of people came. It was so big that there were more who wanted to come, but he had to move on because he had another meeting scheduled, and they wanted him to come back 
back. He couldn't because the schedule was so full. So instead, he sent a young man that he had led to Christ by the name of Mordecai Ham. And so Mordecai Ham, having been saved under the ministry of Billy Sunday, he goes back to North Carolina. He holds these revival services, and they wind up being a complete disaster on the surface. I mean, hardly nobody comes. And on the surface, it looks like a complete disaster. In fact, by the end of the meetings, there's only one little boy who winds up accepting Jesus This little boy by the name of William Franklin Graham. Who later, Billy Graham, right? I want you to listen to this. It said that Billy Graham in his lifetime led over 3.2 million people to Jesus through his crusade ministry. Yeah, some people would clap for that, right? But listen, Brian, you can come. But listen, it all started because an ordinary carpet salesman slash Sunday school teacher obeyed the prompting of Christ to plant seeds in the heart of an 18-year-old shoe salesman. Then D.L. Moody wound up leading thousands to Christ. Frederick B. Meyer and Wilbert Chapman and Billy Sunday and Mordecai Ham. And then Billy Graham. And, and who knows how the story goes after that. From the people that God used Billy Graham to sow seeds of the gospel in. And what, what, what will become of all of that? Who knows? I'll tell you who knows. God does. He he knows. Now listen, here's my point. If God can do all of that, which which is just one ordinary guy, not even a preacher, not not an evangelist, just just a farmer, really, (laughs) who was willing to plant some seeds of life, If God can do that with him, I wonder what God might be able to do with all of us. If we just kind of said, you know what? I'm committed. I'm going to be a farmer. I'm going I'm to sow seeds. I'm going to water seeds. I'm going to be open to whatever it is. If, if, we just, if we could just be a bunch of good old Nebraska farmers, I wonder what God could do with that. Just everywhere we went, loved on people, shared the goodness of God with people, talked about how God was working in our own lives, talked about how he's moved on our behalf, just shared our faith. You see, I'm just convinced that there's somebody in this room that if you would just do that, it would impact thousands and thousands and thousands of people that you can't even imagine. You know why I believe that? Because the Bible teaches this principle over and over and over again. Paul says that he is the God of exceedingly, abundantly, more than you can ever think of or imagine. So I challenge you, I dare you 
Dream your best dreams. They're still too small for the dreams that God has. Just plant seeds, just water seeds. See, I'm convinced that if we would do that, we're gonna need a much bigger church. You know, we're looking for a church building. If we would do that, we need to look for a big one if we would just plant seeds. So I wanna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're gonna wrap things up this morning. And I I just wanna invite you to do this. In the quietness of your own heart, nobody looking around, this is just between you and God. Just quietly in your heart, just ask God, God, what do you wanna teach me through what we talked about today? What do you wanna show me? What do you want me to know about you? What do you want me to know about myself? And then God, what do you want me to do in response to that? How how do you want me to respond to you? I'm convinced that there are some here this morning, maybe some who have joined us online that Really, where God is leading you is you've, you've never accepted the good news of the gospel. That, that you're a sinner and, and in your own power, you can't save yourself. So Jesus came to do for you what you couldn't do for yourself. He paid the price you couldn't pay. He lived a life you couldn't live, died to death. He didn't want you to die rose from the grave on your behalf, and now he's invited you to step into his family to forgive you of your sins, to give you a new life, to live from a place where the old has passed away and, man, it's all new, all the junk, all the hurt, all the yuck, all the mess. He wants to deal with all that. There's some here this morning that Really what you need to do is just say yes to him. And so if that's you, without anybody looking around, I'm not gonna embarrass you in any way. I'm not gonna call you out. I'm not gonna name you. I I just wanna pray a prayer and I'd like to include you in it. And if there's anybody here that would just say, hey, I, I wanna take that step, please include me. Just real quick, just lift up your hand. Let me see. Yeah, all over this place, yeah. Yeah, you can put them down. I'm gonna pray for you in just a second. I believe that there are others here that God is saying, I just want you to trust me. I want you to have the courage to step out and do what Doug is talking about. Just trust me and sow some seed. Just have some spiritual conversations. You don't have to beat anybody over the head. You don't have to you know, bring your Bible and, and walk everybody through it. It just... Share how I've had an impact in your life with somebody. There are some here who he's already placing people in conversations in your heart, I believe. And so I wanna pray for you too. Father, this morning, I just wanna thank you for your goodness. I wanna thank you for your love that you've shown to us. I wanna thank you for the fact that all of this, it was your idea from the beginning, birthed out of love. 
There are so many people that when they think of you, they think of, of this angry God who just is waiting for us to mess up so you can smash us and unreasonable and unbearable. And we just recognize that that couldn't be any further from the truth. That you are love. Everything that you do is birthed out of love. You are for us, you're not against us. You, you didn't come to, to punish us, you came to save us, to rescue us. And this morning, there are several throughout this place who indicated, man, I, I wanna step into your love. I wanna, I wanna accept and receive the gospel. I confess today that I'm a sinner. I just, I just invite you to pray this in the quietness of your own heart. I confess that I am a sinner and I need you. And today I repent of my sin. To repent simply means I'm gonna turn away from it. I'm not gonna embrace it and chase after it and continue to walk in it. I'm gonna turn away from it. And so I repent and I'm asking you to help me to walk a different direction. And I know that I can ask this because I believe that you are who you said you were. That Jesus, you are the Son of God. No other name greater than the name of Jesus. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I receive you today, I'm yours. I want you to know that you pray that prayer, the Bible says that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Father, we rejoice in those who today have taken that step of faith, entered into a new life, born again. And Father, I pray for those who your spirit has been working and they, they've taken that step. Maybe it was years ago but it's never even been on the forefront of our minds that now we've been enlisted into a kingdom, into a family, into a people who our role is that we are your ambassadors and through, you, through us, you are making your appeal to the people around us. And so I pray that you would equip us, you would encourage us, that you would give us courage and boldness Lord, not, not to beat anybody over the head, but to be able to share your love so that others might receive what we have. Bring to mind stories of your goodness that we could share with other people in the midst of conversation. Let us be an encouragement when those are people are come around us and they're struggling and they are get vulnerable and they share some of the difficulties that they're enduring in life. Lord, I pray that you'd give us the wisdom and the boldness to be able to share a word of hope and encouragement. Stories of your goodness. Let us plant seeds. Help us to be farmers. Just good farmers. We'll trust you to do the rest. Lord, I pray that as we leave this place today and we go out into this cold fall day that we would leave with the warmth of your love in our hearts. 
and we would carry that to the world. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.